Hey everybody, it's Matt. Welcome or welcome back to the Journey Church Podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you can automatically get our weekly episodes. And you might want to go ahead and subscribe to our Journey YouTube channel as well. You'll find messages, music, interviews, inspiring stories, and more for you all right there. Now, I hope this episode helps you take your next step in following Jesus. Today, we are continuing a series we started last week called Voices. Jared Martin, our director of adult and student ministry, spoke last week and did a phenomenal job. But the idea behind this series is I wanted you uh, this month to hear from some different voices uh, because you're, A, going to learn a lot from these people. You can learn from everybody. You're going to learn a lot from these people. These people are all so much better than me. You're going to learn things from them. Um, in a different way. So I'm really excited about that. And the other reason I want you to hear from these voices is because these are people who believe in you and what you're doing. They have invested part of their lives into what you're doing. Uh, and they love you guys so much and you don't even know it because you've never met them. All right. So uh, today you're going to hear from a really good friend of mine named Chad Clemens. And I'll let him tell you a little bit about his backstory and his life. But I was telling him in the first service, I I waited till I got on stage and it freaked him out. Um, He is the very first outside guest speaker we've had in 16 years. That's how much I think about this guy, okay? I'm really excited to have him here. And the reason I want him here partly is because over the last few years as we went through the building project, you know, and COVID and all the jazz and, you know, all the hurdles and obstacles we had, there were a handful of guys who I leaned on quite a bit, who gave me some extraordinary advice, who encouraged, you know, who helped, who said, hey, I've been here and here's what you should think about. And they invested a lot in helping us get to this point. And Chad's one of those guys. Um, Over the last seven or eight years, we built a great friendship. And in the last three years, he has shown up at all the right times to on a phone call or Zoom call or something just to talk about what was going on here. He's been through some of this and to help me navigate it. So I am pumped to have him and you are going to get so much out of what he has to share with you today. Chad, come on up here, man. Would you guys give a huge journey welcome to my friend Chad Clemens? Thanks, man. Thanks, bud. It is a treat to be with you guys today. It is uh, an honor to walk through the halls of the church here and to see all the sacrifice, the hard work, the devotion, the commitment uh, that so many people in this community have uh, said this matters. It matters to create a place like this. It matters to have a church like this in this community. And it's been a treat. So thank you, Matt, for uh, allowing me to come. And when he said that in the first service, that was the first outside speaker in 16 years. I said, well, there's nowhere to go up from here. I mean, I mean, this could be as bad as it's going to ever be for you guys. So, I mean, the next guy is going to just wow you, you know? And uh, so I came in yesterday and Matt took me around. We went to the keg and, oh man, that's some of the best food I had. I'm from Florida. So I, I love to, I love to eat seafood and I love scallops. I scallop every summer for two or three weeks. And, uh, I know what a good scallop tastes like. So I saw scallops on the menu and, and Matt says, well, you can't go wrong. They're wrapped in bacon. And I was like, yeah, but you know, scallops are, they're pretty unique. You got to cook them just right. It was amazing. Oh man, what a treat. And then he drove me around town and I know it's Murray, right? It didn't take that long. We spent 90% of our trip on, on the campus and I got to see all the things that, you know, are making up the campus. He took me by some old haunts and things that he had been doing when he was in college and we had a great conversation. Then we're going down one street. We we're moving through town. He's taking, he's taking me on the whole tour. He's trying to get me here, but he's taking me in opposite directions. But we finally got here. But one time he turned down his road. We're, we're driving down the road and he starts setting it up. He slows down. He's like, man, there's this place that people in this town just go crazy for April 1st through October 31st. It's just, there's people standing in line. And we start, and there's all of a sudden there's all these people. They're in the parking lot. He's slowing down and we're driving 
and it's a Dairy Queen. And I'm like, what is, I mean, I'm waiting for the punchline. And he's like, yeah, man, he's like, they serve the original recipe. And he's talking up Dairy Queen like it's, you know, the best thing since sliced bread. And I'm just driving. I'm like, okay, well, and then we drive right past it. And I'm like looking out the side like, and then he turns and red light goes north and starts heading back out toward the, I was like, you're going to turn around? I mean, you set all that up to just tell me you had great ice cream in town and did not take me there. So next time I come back to Murray, I'm going to have to stay with somebody else. I'm going to have to stay with one of you kind folks so you'll take me to Dairy Queen. I think I figured out this morning, though, why he didn't take me back for ice cream. I think he's a, he's a guy who loves incentives. So he's like, if you do all right, I'll invite you back and maybe I'll take you to ice cream next time. <laughs> next time if I do an okay job. So that's what, you know, I'm just here for the ice cream. That's all. That's it. And I had to come back some other time. Hey, it is a treat to be with you. It really is. Uh, just love being in the first service. Getting to see so many people that have poured their lives into this mission and really just love this community. And uh, as I've talked with Matt through the years, uh, you know, our friendship has just blossomed as we've led through similar type things and, and really get to spend the last, the last three years, I've got to spend a lot of time with the pastors and our network across the United States. And that's been a treat for me as well. But I want to give you a little bit of context where we're going. A little bit of context about me. Uh, start with my family. So I got married really young. Um, my high school sweetheart, Kathy is her name. And I know it looks like we got married when we were 12. This is a really old picture. But we have been married for 31 years. And if you're a high schooler in the room, I don't recommend marrying your high school sweetheart when you're 12. But uh, it, was, uh, it was good for us. It worked out pretty well. And, uh, you know, 31 years later, she's still my sweetheart. She's not able to be with us today. But, uh, man, uh, just love the life we've been able to live. Now, I will say this. Because we got married so young, we didn't even know what love looked like. So the first seven to ten years were hard. I mean, really hard. The fact that she's still married to me means that she's a saint. And I'm the one that was the center and needed a, a Jesus in my life. And we had a daughter, uh, Sierra. She was just the light of our life. And she's our only daughter, only child. She's 27 now. So she's grown up to be a wonderful young lady. And we love spending time with her. And she, she likes to see the world. So we, we, we cherish the time when she's with us. And that's been our family. Now, we're probably like most families. This is a picture from COVID. We kind of went crazy during COVID. We basically competed every day. We'd wake up and do an obstacle course. We'd do up and do a scavenger hunt. I mean, we were trying to find ways to stay active. I learned how to cook during COVID. I gained 30 pounds during COVID. COVID was kind to me. I mean, really, really kind to me. And this is our family. So we're a lot like most of you probably just have some fun together and uh, love, you know, we grew up in Florida. I don't know if I mentioned that, but I also got a chance to plant a church in Gainesville, Florida. Anybody know where Gainesville, Florida is at? Yeah. Any SEC fans in the house? Is everyone here a racer? I just trying to get my bearings. Nobody here a wildcat? Okay, a couple of wildcats. Well, I, you know, I'll cheer for you guys. We, I'm from the University of Florida. So I got a chance to plant a church in my hometown where I went to college and where I raised a bunch of cane. And then God was gracious enough to save me. And I was able to go back there and plant a church, which is just absolutely a miracle that people would come to church there after they saw all the, you know, all the ruckus I caused back in the, the late 80s and 90s. But so we got a chance to plant a church just like this in Gainesville, Florida with some great people. And we're able to do that up through uh, 2019 when I moved and transitioned uh, to the team to work with the network of churches across our country. I moved up to the North Georgia area, try to stay close to the mountains in Dahlonega, Georgia. And uh, it's been a treat. So, hey, I want to jump into a thought and a topic. That's who I am. But I want to share something with you that radically changed my life. And I want to share it with you because it's something that kind of, it shifted the way I saw a couple of really key verses in the Bible that I had read all my life. Uh, 
you know, about 16 years old, I had a conversation with God. If he would just leave me alone, I'd be a decent guy, go to church every once in a while and take my kids to Sunday school. I just needed him to give me a break because I felt like he was riding me pretty hard. And so he did. He let me go for 10 years unabandoned, just do all, all the crazy things I wanted to do, just live like a hoodlum for 10 years. And at 26, he arrested my heart. And when he did, all the stuff that I had learned going to church growing up, you know, I could do Bible drills with the best of them. I could quote scripture. I had a lot of knowledge. It just hadn't transformed my life. And at 26, there were some things that really just set a hook in me. And when they did, I realized some things about God that I had never known before. And I've learned since many things like that that have changed my life and transformed my life. I want to share a couple of those with you today. Now, I want to share an anchored scripture for me. It's like the thing that set the anchor in my heart. It really kind of helped me on my faith journey, kind of get started to realize that God saw my life differently than the way I saw my life. Now, this is a verse, if you've been in church for a while, you've probably heard it, you've probably read it. You might have read it a million times. It's in John chapter 10, verse 10. It starts like this. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And if you're not a church person, you're like, what in the world is he talking about? Like, he's setting us up for failure. But the truth is, there is an adversary to the spiritual things in your life. There's an adversary for your marriage. There's an adversary for your time. There's an adversary that would like to destroy the things in your life. And Jesus is setting this up like, hey, I know this is true about you. And I know this is true for the tension you're gonna live in. But then he says, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, when I read that, I had read it a million times before. It never really sank in. But when I surrendered my life to Christ, this verse kind of jumped off the page at me. And at 26, which has been a while back, it's still one of those verses that I wrote down on an index card and put it on my dash. So I didn't have to look at the speedometer. <laughs> but no, really, I wanted to see that this truth applied to me because I don't, I don't know that I was living abundantly. I was living, I thought I was living life. I thought I was doing it right. I was having fun. I was partying it up. I was, I was working for the weekend. I mean, I was doing all the things that culture said to do. And then when I got a hold of this verse, I realized that I was deceiving myself. So my question for you today that I'd love for you to grapple with a little bit and wrestle through the conversation is do you feel like you're living the kind of life that God intended for you? Do you feel like you're living the kind of life God intended for you? Do you feel like you're living abundantly? So I want us to wrestle with that thought. Do you feel like you're living an abundant life? Now, to start this off, I want to back up just about 12 years. Uh, for me, this was a moment in time that kind of like, I realized that even as I was pastoring at this time, I planted two churches by this time. I, I had been in ministry for a number of years, and uh, I got a chance to go to Estes Park, Colorado. A guy invited me to go to Estes Park for a week with a group of guys that I didn't know. Wasn't really excited about that part of the trip. I just was excited to go to Colorado and to spend some time in the Rocky Mountains. They invited me to go to this lodge. There were 19 other pastors gonna be there. They were all about 20 years older than me, and they were all from Nebraska. I don't know much about Nebraska, but I know I didn't like their football program, and that was about it. So I really didn't have a whole lot in common with this group, so I go to Estes Park really to just spend time in nature. And this guy starts talking about this concept, this idea, and when he started talking about it, my first thought was, I don't have time to listen to this mumbo jumbo, this kind of soft Christianity stuff. 
And I was like, I got too much to do. I got too much work to do. I've got too much when I go back. I'm taking a week off, which means, you know, no vacation goes unpunished on the other side. I got to get back to work. I got to stack up all the stuff that I'm not doing this week. And I was kind of frustrated with the message, but he shared this idea that I want to share with you. And it, he called it the health triangle, which is great. That's the way he presented it. And it was, it was hard for me to get through that idea when he was talking about it. But I want to share it with you as something I've become like really affectionate about. It's called the life diagram. That's what I changed it to. It's, it's a life diagram. Now, the thing about a life diagram that's important for you to understand today in the context of this room is that we know what life feels like. We absolutely get it. Like we, we even know that the last couple of years, life hasn't been simple. I mean, if you feel like the world is flipped upside down outside of the city limits of Murray, you would be right. I mean, the world is upside down, right? And so the anxiety and the tension and the conflict and the chaos that we've had to deal with, and even some of you, even before that, I mean, life, we know what life is. So when I talk about a life diagram, you might be tempted to tune me out and say, well, I'm not sure if this applies to me. I kind of have life figured out. It's hard. Life is hard. But I want to share something with you first out of the scripture because I want to pin this down to something that Jesus said. And then I want to, I kind of integrate this, this life diagram into that conversation and kind of take that verse that Jesus shares that I'm going to share with you and kind of bring it into a different perspective. And hopefully the two of those things combined with the work of the Holy Spirit, maybe you'll see something today that you just have never seen before. And this verse is in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Now, Jesus makes this really powerful statement. Come to me, all who are weary. Anybody know what that feels like? The lights are kind of bright in here. I can't tell if you guys are with me. Anybody know what weary feels like? Yeah, a few of you. All of you who are weary and heavy laden, he would say, come to me. Now, we all know what that feels like because we all go to work every day. And work might mean something to us. It might be important. It might be something we want. It might be something we need. It might be something we love. But we know what weary and heavy laden feels like because work is hard and work is long. <laughs> and you're living for the weekend just like I've lived for the weekend most of my life. And you know, when Monday morning at 6 a.m. starts and you hit the alarm clock, you know you've got to get to work. And the first part of the life diagram, I don't have to spend a lot of time on this point, but the first part of the life diagram is work. It's just there. It's present. It's real. It creates tension. It creates anxiety. It creates a little bit of chaos in your life, and you apply yourself to it. Now, there's a lot I could say about work, and you guys have probably talked about how to make work really life-giving. I'm sure you've taught on that. I've probably, you know, not needing to go into the depths of that, but if you're working in something you love, it doesn't even feel like work, right? I mean, if you wake up every day and go do something you absolutely are passionate about, it doesn't even feel like you're working, but it still takes up time, right? So you start on Monday, you work through Friday, or you start on Sunday, you work through Thursday, or you work shift work, or you're down at Pella putting windows together, and you're making it all happen, and you're making work happen so that you can have the kind of life you want, and you're giving yourself over to work. Now, this is not a message against work. I believe in powerful, passionate work that matters, that you care about, that gives you life. But this is a message about something else, an abundant life, not just something that gives you life, but an abundant life that the world needs. Now, the beautiful thing about this idea is 
Uh, we all know that we start on Monday and we apply ourselves to it. But Jesus says something in Matthew 11 that's pretty amazing when he starts talking about the fact that we're all weary, we're all you know, heavy laden, work is tiresome, that we're all having to deal with those anxieties. He, he shares something throughout scripture, but also in Matthew, he starts talking about something else. He, he gives us these like shadows of conversations along the way of other things that matter. Like, like the message with the lady at the well, the message of the woman sitting next to the well, drawing out of the well. What's she drawing out of the well? She's drawing water out of the well. He sits down and asks for a drink. And then he says to her this really crazy thought. This water that you're drinking of, if you drink it, you're going to be thirsty again. And then he says, but if you drink of my cup, of my life, you'll never thirst again. What does that mean? I mean, throughout scripture, you can find Jesus referring to the power of life in water illustrations. He's always pulling water into the illustration of how water will give you life and he is the life and he is the one that gives you that kind of, that kind of life, that kind of abundant life. And so in Estes, Colorado for a week, this guy talks about, you know, with me, hard-headed hoodlum from Gainesville, Florida, who's trying to plant churches and love God. He starts talking about the power of the life of Christ. And here I am, a pastor, know all the verses, know all the scriptures, understand all that stuff. And for some reason in my hard head, it just wasn't sinking in. Because here's what I was doing, the same thing you were doing. I was working hard and you've read the bumper sticker. If you work hard, you have to play hard. It's not a trick question. You've probably got a t-shirt somewhere that says that if you work hard, you got to play hard. So here's what I was doing. Every Friday at five, I was pushing the clock out meter and I was going to have fun. And so I was spending Monday through Friday working and then I was spending every weekend squeezing life out. I would go to the lake because we had a boat. I crossed over a couple of lakes coming here. I know a bunch of you probably got boats. I'd take the jet skis out. We would spend Friday, 72 hours of fun. I mean, basically what we tried to do every weekend was squeeze the life out of our family. we travel ball, soccer. I mean, you know, you start putting your kids in sports and you better get a taxi service because it's going to happen. Next thing you know, you're running all over the place. You're going to take them on trips. You're going to take them to the theme park. You're going to go to Six Flags. You're going to squeeze it all in. You got 72 hours because Monday morning at six, you got to hit the alarm clock. You know what this is called? Well, besides wetting the stage and messing up the sub speakers, this is called life, right? <clears throat> Work hard, play hard. It's called life. It's called rinse and repeat. You do it every Monday through Friday. You do it every Friday afternoon to every Monday morning. You're doing it. You're trying to squeeze life out of everything you got. You're trying to squeeze it out of your marriage. You're trying to squeeze it out of your life with your kids. You're trying to squeeze every ounce of life out. And then you come into contact with someone that needs life and you got nothing. I mean, don't matter how hard you squeeze, you got nothing. You're empty. You're dry. You're weary. You're burdened. You're confused. You're full of anxiety. You're full of tension. And Jesus says, hey, if you're in that state 
where there ain't no more life left in you because you bought into cultural's lie, culture's lie of rinse and repeat, work hard, play hard, because that's celebrated. Let me tell you something. That is celebrated in our culture. If you work hard, you play hard, then you get elevated. Everybody puts you on a pedestal. Oh, that guy works so hard. But you're dry. You're empty. You got nothing left. And then you go back to the weekend, you get a little bit of life, and you squeeze it all out again. And Jesus would say, this isn't John 10.10. This isn't abundant life. That's not abundant life. So sitting in the mountains in Colorado, this guy's telling me this, and then he says something that absolutely made me mad. So I thought I would share it with you. He said, there's a third part of this diagram besides work and play, it's rest. And I know what you're thinking if you're the kind of person that loves work, if you're the kind of guy that loves your job, if you're the kind of person that's poured yourself into your company, I know exactly what you're thinking. You ain't got time to rest. This is a mirage. And when he said this to me, I was so, like, I wanted to get up and leave. If it weren't for the Rocky Mountains, I wouldn't have stayed. I was so mad. I was like, man, do you know how much work I've got to do when I get home? I do not have time to rest. And then he read the rest of this verse in Matthew 11. Come to me who are heavy and laden. I will give you rest. And then he says this in verse 29. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. So we go through life doing rinse and repeat cycles all the time. You're probably sitting in this room right now and you're just probably about five or 10 minutes, seven minutes and 11 seconds away from thinking about work because it's coming tomorrow. And what Jesus would say is, hey, if you're this dry, empty, lifeless, weary, burdened, full of anxiety, got all the tensions of life, squeezing you, he would say, the only way you're going to have abundant life is you come and rest. And rest is way different than play. See, play is where you just kind of like entertain yourself, escape the struggles of work. Rest is something else. Rest is rhythmically established space to be with God. Jesus would call it a Sabbath. Honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Jesus would say a Sabbath is one of the most important things you can do to keep a rhythm in your life that allows the abundance that he intended for us to flow out of us. Rhythmically established space to be with God. Rest is different than play because when you're resting in Christ, you're not trying to squeeze anything out. You're trying to soak him all in. When you're resting in Christ, you're actually filling up the abundance in which what the world needs is what he's given to you, abundance. The best version that the world needs of you is a fully rested version. So here I'm in the mountains 12 years ago, a pastor, planted two churches, Thought my work was purposeful, had meaning. I was really energized around what I did to start churches, plant churches, and grow churches, lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. I was fired up about that mission. 
But when I started doing this life diagram that week, I realized I had missed several key moments with my daughter. I had missed, missed several key moments with my wife, with my friends. I had, missed, I had missed some big milestones in our life because of my work. And then I discovered this, that the harder I work, the grumpier I get. The less fun I am to be around. And the best version of myself wasn't what my wife was getting. It wasn't what my kids were getting. It wasn't what my friends were getting. What they were getting from me was this ringed out, dry version of a guy that was just doing what culture had taught us to do. Work hard and play hard. And the whole time, the truth is in the scripture. Jesus says, I want you to rest in me. A Sabbath where you take time to rhythmically establish some space to be with the creator of your life, the one that gives you abundant life. And this is what I mean by the best version because when you take some time to really rest, this thing ain't just partially full. I mean, it's filled all the way up. And what, you, what happens when you rest in Christ and then you go back to work on Monday? I was talking with Becky before church. I don't know if Becky's still in the room, but she was at the front door in the first service. And what happens when you're filled up with Christ is you go back to work on Monday and it's like, you can't help it. It's just like refresh. I'm not gonna, I, I will never make it to the third row. I tried several times. But it's, the world sees something different. They're like, oh, Mick, he's different. He's not the same as he used to be. Something happened to Mick. Did I get you? Was that close? I'm not trying. I mean, I am kind of trying, but... But that's, that's what the world needs is they need this overflowed version of you rested in Christ. What they don't need from you is more work and more play because that rinse and repeat cycle doesn't give abundant life to you or anyone else. And I know I'm preaching to your pastor too. If you work for the church, you get kind of this mask that you're working hard, but it matters and God will be okay with wringing yourself out for him. If you're a Christian business owner and you feel that way about your company, you probably feel like, hey, it's okay for me to put in that extra 20 hours this week. I'm telling you, when I read this, when I learned this, when I started applying this to my life, the labor-intensive work, weary, confused, chaos that the rinse and repeat cycle created for me, I got set free from it. My wife was super happy I went to Estes Park. Matter of fact, she tries to make an appointment for me to go to Estes Park all the time. I mean, she's like, yeah, I think it's time for you to go on another mission trip, man. You need to go get really filled up with Christ and rest in him. So friend, today I want to leave you with this thought. What version of you has the world been getting? What version of you has your wife been getting, your husband? What version of you is your kids getting from you? What version of you is your employees getting from you? Christ would say, if you take his yoke upon you, it's gentle, it's humble, it's easier. It actually is counterintuitive, like most things with God. Because when you rest in him, you actually go faster in life. When you rest in him, you actually go further in your purpose. It's like the opposite of what culture would like for you to think. And today, I want to invite you into something new, the rest that you find in knowing Christ. And if you're in this room today and you don't know Christ and you haven't surrendered to him, I'm telling you, friend, this verse is completely different 
than just saying a sinner's prayer and saying, I invite you into my life, forgive me of my sins. This is a different kind of prayer. This is the kind that says, I want to surrender to you to follow you, not because I know everything about you or understand you fully, but because this right here looks really, really refreshing. And I'd like to learn how to rest in Christ. And if you're in this room today and that's you, you sitting here and you're for the first time maybe ever all the dots connected on a verse and it just makes sense that you can actually have abundant life by resting in Christ and you want to learn what that looks like and understand how to take those steps. Starting point is a great place. I mean, you could go out to uh, what's the suite right out front and meet with Matt and talk with somebody about what's your next step look like. That is the way it gets started. But if you're like a seasoned Christian and you've been following Christ for a while, I can relate. Because 12 years ago, I was in the thick of ministry, had been following Christ for a hot minute, and all of a sudden it dawned on me. I was trying to strive my way through knowing Christ, learning more, knowing more, doing more. And all that strife didn't earn me anything in terms of abundant life. So if you're a Christian here today, and you're following Christ and you feel worn out and weary and confused and abandoned and you feel the tension of this culture that you're living in, I'm telling you, friend, there is freedom in him finding rest. And that's what I want to invite you into today. Will you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, in this room right now, we pray a simple prayer. For those that are sitting here and have never taken a step to surrender their life in you, I pray that this room would be filled with your Holy Spirit, that you would speak to hearts and that you would draw them to you. With every eye closed, every head bowed, I want to ask a simple question. If you're sitting here and you know in your heart you have never surrendered to that kind of life, you've never surrendered to Christ the way I've described him to you today, and you're sitting here going, I want to surrender my life to Christ. I want to rest in him and know him. And if you're in this room and that's you, Right now, I just want you to throw your hand up in the air and just raise your hand. It's a simple prayer. And it's not like a sinner's prayer. It's a surrender prayer. It's a prayer that says, God, I want to rest in you. I'm tired of being weary. I'm tired. And I need rest. Is there anyone else? God sees your hand. Is there anybody else? If you're a follower of Christ right now, I just want you to say a simple prayer for the people that raised their hands. And for those of you that raised your hands, I want you just to say, God, I want to rest in you. I need to know how, because I don't know, but I want to. And I want to be in relationship with you, learn from you, understand you. I want to live by your ways, not my ways. Help me to take a next step to surrender my life to you, to make you the Lord of my life my Savior. For everyone else in the room, if you're a Christian and you feel dry and weary and worn out and overdone, I want you to know, friend, there is a refreshment found in resting in Christ. So I pray for you right now, God, in this room, for every person that's a follower that feels ex completely exasperated by culture and all the things they do. I pray that you would fill them up. Help them to find a rhythm where they can establish some space to be with you. Fill them up, God. Give them life. Murray needs them, and they need the best version of them. Their wives need it. Their husbands need it. Their kids need it, God. This community needs to know who you are, not who we are.
So God, fill us up with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you'd like more content like this, subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our Journey app to access all of our recent message content. And our app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. For more information on our church or to find our app or our YouTube channel, just visit journeycalway.com. That's journeycalway.com. Thanks for listening.